0: Welcome to the LTAD Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets, just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTAD Network podcast. In part two of our mini-series, Speaking with Commonwealth Games Athletes, I sit down and speak with beach volleyball athlete Jess Grimson. Beach volleyball was the hardest sport that Jess had ever tried, and that struggle for mastery had driven her to a second Commonwealth Games. Initially bound for a college scholarship in the USA, the lead star spiked a volleyball for the first time aged 13, at the behest of her pioneering PE teacher. The four-time British champion reached the quarterfinals at the Gold Coast in 2018 with Victoria Palmer, and competed on home sand with a new partner in Daisy Mumbi at the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Jess, welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to have you on. Thanks for your time today.
1: No, thanks for having me.
0: So we'll dig into the Commonwealth Games, both for the Gold Coast and Birmingham, in a bit. But before we do that, let's take us back to a young Jess before you discovered volleyball. What were some of the sports you were? involved in playing and, and what kind of uh activities do you get involved in when you're a youngster
1: um I think probably like most athletes obviously just loved sport um my main uh, upbringing was football um but I think that was due to my brother and my dad playing and being heavily interested in watching um so from a I guess what four or five year old um growing up near Manchester Became obsessed with Man United, obviously. Um, so, yeah, used to play a lot of football, play in the garden and just generally loved being outside and being active. Um, and then, as guess, getting into school, I sort of did everything, really. Like, I was kind of captain of every sport, played everything, not hugely academic, but just loved sport. Um, so, football was the main one. Um, but at school, played a lot of um, – played everything, really. Um, a lot of athletics I used to sprint as well um, but we played rugby football hockey basketball netball everything really um, went to every lunchtime club every after school club um, yeah and just to everything I think it was I was probably about 12 13 maybe and I got into the Brighton setup for football um, so I played for Brighton played county um, and that was my main thing really parents driving me to Brighton two to three times a week to train, traveling all over the country at the weekends. Um, And that was sort of through to sort of 16, 17. But yeah, it was everything and anything really, but mainly I'd say football was the the big one for me.
0: So how did volleyball stumble into your
1: life? Um, It stumbled into my life as 13. I think it's pretty well known from conversations before that um, my high school PE teacher played for England. So Frida Bussey, she was our head of PE. At school Um, and she actually used to play for England and obviously sort of made volleyball part of the curriculum at the particular school I was at. Um, Volleyball I'd never heard of it never come across it growing up in the north absolutely no idea what it was Um, and she sort of approached me and was like you know pretty athletic I think you should try volleyball it's the only sport I didn't play pretty much Um, and obviously being a new sport yeah great wanted to try it um, and absolutely hated it. Um, I think Especially playing a sport where you used your feet and not your hands to then playing a sport where you use your hands and not your feet was a really difficult transition for me. Um, but I I liked the challenge as much as I didn't enjoy the sport itself. It was very complicated. There were so many rules. There's so many skills to it, which I didn't maybe appreciate at the time that I do now. Um but yeah, I just wanted to yeah, I went to every club possible, 3D's take us um, to Ashcombe, which was about a 45-minute drive from where I lived, um, to train with a junior setup. And um yeah, I just I liked the challenge and I got better and better and better and I enjoyed the, the progress with it. Um, and then I got to about 15, 16 and I was invited to the England setup. So I had to sort of make a decision at that age, football or volleyball. And as much as I was I was pretty good at football at the time. Um, I felt maybe I'd peaked a bit early and um, I saw more progression with volleyball. Um, I saw more places to go with it, whereas I think I'd probably gone as far as I was going to go with football. So just sort of persevered from then, really. So 16 onwards was really sort of when it um, it really started to kick off.
0: And it's probably worth making the distinction now. We're probably at the moment talking about indoor volleyball, aren't we? Versus yes. beach. So when, did, when yeah. did the transition to beach kind of pop up?
1: Um, so again Frida used to so obviously I I grew up from like nine onwards in Worthing um and I don't know if you're familiar but there's pebbled beaches in Worthing um so the closest facilities we had was in Brighton so Yellow Wave had like a um an outdoor man-made facility um so occasionally went there um but as like a little trip in the summer um Sandbank's we used to run some really, really big in um, national beach events for all age groups. So I think even from like under 12s, under 14s, under 16s, under 18s, both genders and seniors. Um, so she used to take us in the summer to some of those events. Um, and I think I just loved it, being outside, being on the beach, being in the sun, playing other sports, not being your average girl that's not afraid to sort of hit the ground and get sound in her face, I think. I I took to it quite quickly because I liked um, the aspects of, you know, how how athletic it was and you could sort of do it. And, you know, you didn't hurt yourself. You're jumping around, landing on nice soft sand. Um, So just really enjoyed it. And then I was probably, I think, 17. I was at college on a sports scholarship for indoor volleyball. Um, And I got asked to compete in the world in the 21s, which is again, an age group category for worlds um, on the beach. So me and my best friend at the time, Susan, um, played that. Um, and then the year after I played again with a different partner, um, I think I was 18, um, 18, 19 actually, I think my first year of university with, with uh, another good friend, Lizzie. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where that stemmed from. And we, we as a country then, Apart from the seniors, obviously, that played a little bit later on at the Olympics, just didn't, there was no level of beach volleyball in this country. There was no support, no acknowledgement for it. And we, as much as we tried our hardest and we had some coaching, we got absolutely battered. And I think goes one of two ways. You either go, cool, not for me, you not good enough. Or you go, how do I get good enough? And for me at the time, it was like, how do I get good enough? So it sort of sparked something in me to sort of see where I could take it. Um, all the people I was playing against played full time, trained full time, full time programs, everything. So um, at 18, I went to Bath University, where the Team GB program was based. Um, ironically, like a few months after I le- I went there, it moved to Australia. The program
0: You're very local.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. So all the money and all the program, all the coaches and all the all the players moved to Oz, uh, which wasn't ideal because that was the only reason I went to Bath, really um but we still had some access to you know the was actually beach volleyball courts at bath university which was great and we still had some very good coaches around um but again i ended up playing indoor for the university traveled to bournemouth to play for wessex which was indoor national league they were like one of the best teams in the country at the time and then just played beach as and when i could um but still allowed me a lot more access to it than i had previously and again just I was completely in love with it and uh yeah just wanted to see how far I could take it so um that's really when um I started to take it more seriously sort of eight from 18 onwards
0: so talk a little bit one of the big challenges as you kind of already alluded to in in volleyball but particularly beach is around that kind of infrastructure and funding set up so you know people who have that ambition to do what you've done it's it's almost uh not I mean self-funded to a large degree but trying to attract sponsors trying to attract funding so what's the situation like for you at the moment but what are some of the situations you've been in previously where it's been entirely self-funded or some sponsorships etc how's that kind of evolved for you?
1: Yeah it's been a massive journey and I think it's ironically the last two years playing with my new partner um, I've had more support and more funding than I've ever had in my whole career. Which is amazing I think it's a, a great step forward for beach volleyball and I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes from now especially with the recent successes from Birmingham and you know the boys got a medal and I think people realized that we could play um, having seen the games um, but prior to that yeah it was it was really tough um, obviously at university you had access to some sort of schemes you know, like talented athlete support scheme and we never got money but you had access to s and Physio, and physio and I broke my hand and within four hours I'd seen a hand specialist and had an x-ray and you know the resources for some things were there um but yeah when I graduated I moved to Bournemouth to be able to full-time train um just because free access to facilities courts and whatever and the the partner I was playing with at the time lived here so made sense to be as close to her as possible um but yeah, at that point, I was I was 21, I worked full-time for like four years, I think it was. Um, full-time working, full-time training, travelling as and when possible. Um, but the days were just ridiculous. You know, you're doing sort of seven, eight, nine hour working days, training in the morning, training in the evening, repeat. Um, so it was a lot, um, but it was what we needed to do to make it financially feasible. Um, so having never had any support at all, um, we had sponsors, like we were not, I'd say lucky with sponsors. We got a lot of free stuff, which, you know, as a newbie coming into the sport was amazing. Being sponsored by Under Armour, sponsored by Oakley and getting just stash was great. Um, but it gets to a point where that does absolutely nothing for you. Like all you need is money for a flight. I don't need 20 pairs of sunglasses. Um... So, yeah, it was it was really tough, Um, but I think that's where my partner at the time, we really bonded over our mutual drive. And I think you've either got that sort of thing in you or you um, and to do what we did um, for how long we did it for with little to no support, I think is actually is a really big thing for us. both working full-time, both training full-time, you know, paying for gyms, paying for everything, paying for all of our flights, couldn't afford a coach. Um, So again, it's not like, I'm not trying to say poor poor us because it was a choice. I didn't have to do it. Um, But our kind of drive to want to succeed and see where we could get to um, really pushed us through those things. But then having seen how the last two years have been in terms of support, resources, it's, not that it's easy, but it's so much easier. And I, I really look back and think, I don't know how we did it for so long, if I'm honest, um, in terms of not having access to those sorts of things, but still doing well. Um, I'd question how well like we could have got further with some support, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But yeah, so in the last sort of couple of years, we've had a lot more support, mainly down to Commonwealth Games being home games. Um, so there was a lot more funding injected into the sport, albeit we had to earn it. It was very much there's a pot of money, play for it. So we we still sort of put in the work to make sure it was us that got that support. Um, but having that support over the last couple of years, being able to pay a coach, pay a sports psych, um, get money back for events um, and not being constantly out of pocket for it has, has been a huge thing for me the last two years. Um so, yeah, it's definitely on the up and I think the Games has, will be a real boost, I think, for for the sport. Um, I think it's be very exciting sort of what could happen over the next couple of years. Um, so it's nice. It's nice to see it go, go in the right direction. Um, not necessarily in, in my career, um, but hopefully for the next group coming through, um, they don't have to do what what, what, we, what we did. I, I don't want them to be able to do that because I think there's not many people that would stick it out. Uh, so I think yeah, it's, it's going the right direction and hopefully it sort of gets and keeps more people involved in the sport.
0: Mm. The whole funding things is a really interesting kind of catch-22, isn't it? Because outside of your country hosting a game, whether it's, you know, the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games, where maybe you have to put out a team. So you have to, you know, fund someone at least for two years or three years or four years for an Olympic cycle. It's this weird catch-22 where you have to be successful before you get funded Which is ironic, because by that point, you probably don't need it as much as when you did when you weren't as successful. But, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 that you've got to prove, oh, yeah, we're really good and we deserve to be funded. But, you know, how how do you get good without the funding?
1: Well, exactly. And I think that's a, a chicken and egg thing that's been happening for years. Like, I understand the theory, but all the sports that get funded and are successful, it's because they have funding. So it's like, how can you fund, how can you expect people to be successful without support? But, yet yeah, they won't support you until you're successful. So it is it is difficult. And I think testament to the players that are playing at the moment because, yeah, we've had a little bit of support this year. And I think there's been a lot of progression in the last two years in the sport. And the depth in the men and the women's game at the moment is the best I've ever seen it. Um, and that's just like a tiny bit of support. So hopefully that gets acknowledged and they realize that if you keep investing, keep investing, there'll be more success. But I think you know, hats off to everyone at the moment in terms of the success and the medals and the stuff like that that's been in the last two years across the top three or four teams in both genders, I think hopefully kind of gives a good case to to seeing a bit more support in the the up and coming years.
0: Mm. And you have mentioned already you know obviously had quite a significant hand injury talk us through some of the other challenges you had injury wise obviously funding in it itself is a huge challenge on top of that your body doesn't always play along when you need it to so what are some of the, the battles you've had injury wise
1: oh gosh I don't think this podcast is long enough for that um I I've had pretty much everything you can imagine I I just had to accept in the past sort of five years I'm not built very well um but since the age of 12. I don't remember a time where I've not had something or been injured. Um, And I'm talking through football, like like lots of ankle sprains, chipped ankle bones. Um, Moving through to starting volleyball, I dislodged a rib, I cracked my hip bone. I had shoulder surgery at 21. Um, And since then, like several broken fingers, dislocated fingers, um lots of back injuries the start of this year actually which was a big one which no one really knows about um because we didn't want to make it a thing but I tore my ab um so back in December uh I was traveling to and from Spain to train with Daisy and our coach was based out of County so I was sort of going three or four days a week working three or four days a week kind of repeat every week and it was pretty windy session and I hit a ball just like hyperextended hit a ball in the wind and I was like oh god that it felt like I'm stabbed in the womb is the only way to describe it and I was like that wasn't nice and tried to carry on I was a bit uncomfortable so I sort of just adapted what I was doing but um for a few weeks like laughing coughing sneezing weeing everything turning over in bed was just really painful and I wasn't quite sure what it was. Um, so I had a bit of time off over Christmas that those sort of sensations went. So pretty happy, got back to training, hit a ball again, first step, first one back and same feeling. Um, so just again, adapted what I did for a little while, kept trying to play. And I was thinking, you know, we've got our Commonwealth qualification in May. This doesn't feel right. Um, so I'm used to carrying twinges all the time. So this was different. So I managed to get a scan with a local consultant and he was like, You've got a three centimetre hole going through 50% of your ab, basically, which in equivalent to like normal tears, it's a grade two, so it's not great. And where it is, not great. Um, you need sort of 10 to 12 weeks complete rest. And I was like, Yeah, that's like that's not gonna happen. Like we've got our qualification in May, there's no way. Um, so my compromise was three weeks. Um, I was still in the gym, but I just, I knew what movements to avoid. I just wanted to make sure the rest of me was staying in the shape it needed to. Um, and then in March, we got, it was like the Saturday, we got a message to say, you've got into a tournament in Mexico, which starts Tuesday. And we were like, well, we can't go because it already pulled out of a tournament because of my AB anyway. Um, but this particular event is a higher level event where even just showing up, the points that you get, is huge. Um, and prior to that, being held back by the Federation in terms of playing tournaments, I'd lost all my points and we couldn't get into anything. So even for this Mexico tournament, we were like, I don't know, 50th on the reserve. So we forgot about it. There's no way we're going to get in. Like maybe if you're top five in reserve, you're going to get in, but 50, there's no chance. So I don't know what happened, but we got in and we sort of spoke about it and we thought we just we can't not go. Um, So literally that day, I spoke to my boss, booked flights, and by Monday, we were on a flight to Mexico. Um, And I was like, right, I take myself up. I told myself, this is the things I need to not do. Um, But volleyball is quite an unpredictable sport in terms of positions you get in. So I was just doing my best. And I didn't feel anything. So I thought, maybe I'm okay. And then I got back, the consultant changed my appointments a week after. So by this point, I had five weeks. Um, And I went to see him for the scan. I think it was like, April maybe at this point and he was like he kept making like "Mm, okay yeah and I thought Jess what have you done you shouldn't have gone to Mexico you're an idiot and he pulled up my other scan and he was like what have you been doing and I was like oh god um and from a recovery point of view there's not really much I could have done but I I started going to cryotherapy so I was going to cryotherapy six times a week and at work we've got a low-level laser which I was using every day um and he was like, I can't find it. And I was like, what do you mean you can't find it? And he was like, I can't even see where the tear was. Normally, obviously, theres I'm not a radiographer, but different gradients and colors of tissue that they see. And he was looking for, like, black bits. And he was like, I can't even find it. So he was like, I don't know what you've done. Because he was recommending me to have PRP injections to, like, speed up the process. And a combination of the laser and the cryo in what order and what ratio each of them took in terms of helping. But... I healed about three to four weeks faster and not one of scar tissue so touch wood um I've not had one issue since and obviously I mean you'll know yourself like reoccurrence of that sort of injuries is is pretty high so I've been like terrified of hitting any ball behind my head for the past four months um but got back to training straight away pain-free did a lot of strengthening a lot of rehab um and I've not had an issue since but when I found out about it I was like crying I was like right this is it Commonwealth is over I can't play like um, so it was a big thing we sort of tried to keep even when I was playing we trained in Tenerife I was all strapped up but I was training with t-shirt songs so I didn't want anyone to see the taping and uh, we didn't want people we were playing against in May to know that that was an issue because it's so obviously targeted me um, but yeah so that was a big one this year it was really like I thought Commonwealth dream was over basically but um managed to sort of pull for it but um yeah there's been so there's been so many things to list but um I think I'm a sports therapist in my job and I'm very lucky with the colleagues I have and the equipment we have so um I managed to sort of keep everything at bay um but I think injuries and that sort of thing is huge for a lot of people um maybe not have that having access to the right resources I'm very lucky that I have that but and for me specifically in my career, yeah, um, that's been a huge battle, sort of my whole career, to be honest.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting when people obviously see you know see people stepping onto the sand of the Commonwealth Games or whatever the event is, you know, we see the highlight room, we don't always see the the background struggle and especially as you're saying you know if there is something that happens that close that proximity to the games you don't necessarily want to publicize it because you don't want to give an advantage away to people who say right we're going to you know we know where the weak spot is and we're going to target that so people don't see that when you step onto the sand and they you know they just see the highlight reel and it see the the difficulties with funding with traveling with training with injuries so i think it's important to you know when when you can afterwards in these sort of formats to highlight to people you know it's not all sunshine and roses there's a lot of difficulties you know it's only really the closest friends and family that know about these things necessarily
1: yeah absolutely yeah and I think you see like it's anything even like you know social media nowadays everyone just sees what you want them to see so yeah people see the glamorous side of it
0: so you're obviously now a 2 times Commonwealth Games athlete. So you had the experience out in, in Gold Coast, first games, this time around, home games. What was the difference like in terms of the qualification, the lead-up, and then when you actually got to Birmingham, stepping on the sand for the first time, what was that like in front of a home crowd?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, individually, they were both incredible for very different reasons. Um, the process was very different again. Um, so for Australia was a couple of different routes to qualify so there was like a a zonal tournament within Europe um you had to be top four within world-ranked commonwealth teams or get a free wild card basically um so my partner and I at the time spent the whole year um trying to be within that top four so we traveled all over the world I think we went to like 13 events in six months in all different countries like Switzerland, South Korea, China, just general Europe Um, And luckily by the October, we were in the top four. So we qualified in our own right, which was really what we wanted to do. We didn't want to just get a free spot. Um, So that was the process. And we found out in the October 17, and the games was actually April 18. Um, So it was good because we had a full chunk then of like six months of full prep. So um, she took a sabbatical leave from work. I left work for six months. So we just said like, we've got to go for it. No regrets. Um, so we were in like LA for six weeks playing. We ended up being in Oz for I think eight weeks and just trying to get as much prep as possible. Um, and Australia was amazing, like the, got the real village experience, which also I'll talk about what we didn't get in Birmingham. So uh, they made a village from scratch. So there was this huge, what you imagine like an Olympic village to be like. Um, and just being there surrounded by all these different athletes, all these different countries uh, was incredible. Um, and obviously the first time beach volleyball was in the games stadium was amazing on Koolangata beach 5,000 seats sold out every single session I think it got voted like best venue it was the only sport that sold out every session Um, all the staff loved the the venue they'd come and watch just because the atmosphere in the stadium was amazing um, but obviously being English in Australia we didn't get a great deal of support Um, and I you know in a stadium you've probably got three percent of the people there that are actually like willing you to do well. Um and then obviously flip into Birmingham. So the process for this one was a qualification tournament. So England obviously got a home nation spot and most federations just picked picked which team they wanted to go or gave it automatically to the top ranked team. Um which would have been Daisy Night anyway. Um but they wanted to do a tournament and basically earn it. So um, there was a small pot of funding that they got given in July of last year. We had a funding trial where it's exactly the same style tournament, top six men's, top six women's teams. Everyone plays against everybody. Uh, the top two teams from each gender get a pot of funding. So in theory, you're funding the best two teams for a year um, and then come the qualification tournament this year. In theory, those are the two teams that should be in the final and you know they've had the best prep and, and whatnot. Um, So in May, I think it's May 25th to 29th, we had like a four or five day tournament where um, three pools are three, everyone plays everyone, semis, finals, semis and finals were best of three matches. Um, So not just off like a one off game. Um, So we've had this date in our head for so long, as much as the games were the end goal. um, It was like May 2022, May 2022 was like the real sort of aim for us. Um, and luckily, we won the funding trial. We didn't drop a set to anybody. Uh, qualification trial, not quite as straightforward. Like, we beat everyone in our in our pools. We got straight to the semis. Um, and then we played against two girls that were studying in the States. And they'd had you know access to way more volleyball than we'd had. And we hadn't seen them play together, so a little bit of an unknown. Um, and we, we played them, ironically, in our pool and we beat them. Um, and then, obviously, met them again in the final. Um, and again, best of three matches. Um, it went to the three matches in the end. The first game, we beat them very, very easily. So I kind of wish it was off one match. <laughs> it would have been much less stressful than playing the three the three matches. The next two went to three sets. And we won like, I don't know, 15-13 in the third set of the third game. So, um, yeah, it was huge. But again, like real feeling of like gratification. We we earned it. Um, a lot of hard work had been put in because... Days and I only joined up really at the start of 2020 to qualify for Birmingham. So to, to do it and qualify, was amazing. Um, and then after qualification, we had five weeks in Europe where we were just trying to get as much match practice as possible. Um, so we were in Italy for a total of three weeks, Greece, and then Norway, um, just trying to get as much match practice. We got back, we had two days and went to Birmingham. Um, so Birmingham, again, very, very different, like no real village obviously they couldn't build one i think they were trying to build one i think it was penny bar someone said but just didn't have the space and the infrastructure for it so had a few satellite villages um so the main campus was university of birmingham and then we were based at park Regis hotel so in our hotel was the whole of beach volleyball men and women every country and all of women's t20 cricket um so they were the only two sports that we had in our hotel and they still made it amazing. We still had access to everything, and and in hindsight, like I think as much as the village would have been cool, we had much better quality resources. Like we had really nice rooms, really nice beds, really good food. Um, so um, that we were pretty lucky with that, I think, in the end. And then obviously the stadium. So the stadium was based at Smithfield, um, which was I think the largest live site of the game. So like ten thousand capacity for live site, and then you had. Um, 3x3 basketball um able but running and able and then beach volleyball um so again like a 5,000 seat stadium um and it was amazing um I think for me way better than ours in terms of um the support we had uh, and just I think not that I don't know that we're good at backing sport but we love our sport <laughs> and it was just amazing to see how many people, you know, kids to, to elderly people, how invested they were in the games as a whole. Um, every sport, every country, obviously, but mainly England and kind of really brought home again, how proud we are to be English. Um, you know, I, I love being English, I'm very proud. I, you know, it's always an honor to represent England in any capacity um, and, you know, the novelty hasn't worn off even though it's been like 10 years. Um, But stepping out into a home stadium with every single person in that stadium cheering you and winning you on, noise was just ridiculous. Um, And the support was amazing, like win or lose. Everyone was amazing. And to have friends and family and um, people that maybe haven't seen us play before was was huge. Um, So, yeah, stepping out there like every other night was just incredible and definitely something I will not forget.
0: So, let's dig a little bit into the, the results. Obviously, they threw up a bit of a, a local derby in the England versus Scotland game early on. So, what was that like?
1: It was good. I mean, um, we played them a lot. We know I've known Manalyn for a very long time. We've played them, uh, well not we, but I, even with my old partner, have played them so many times. And there's always been a bit of a, a rivalry there. Um, and I don't really know why, whether it's a personality thing or if it's an England-Scotland thing, because I don't really have that England-Scotland rivalry in me. But um, there's always something where when we play each other, we really want to beat each other. So as soon as I saw them, they were in our pool. I was really excited because I knew it would be a good game. And I knew it, you know, it just had a bit of an added edge to it. Um, but from an ability point of view, like as much as we probably haven't played our best against them yet, I know that we are so much better. So I knew as long as we could keep our heads that we'd be fine. And frustratingly, we didn't play very well. Um, I don't know if we both over-revved and we just really wanted to beat them. And we still beat them pretty comfortably, even though we didn't play very well. But for me personally, I'd have liked to come out of it with a bit of a better performance. Um, But we needed to win both the first games to secure quarters. So um, we did what we had to do. Um, not in the fashion I would have liked, but um, yeah, we got the job done. And from everyone that watched said that they really enjoyed the game and there was quite a lot of Scottish fans um, in there. So nice bit of rivalry, friendly rivalry between the crowd as well and a bit of noise. So yeah, that was probably the most fun game to play, I think.
0: And then Solomon Island's next? Is
1: that right? Yeah. Yeah, Solomon Island's were first, first game we played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, um, it is great that countries like that get an opportunity to play. Um, I think that's a massive um, thing for the Commonwealth Games. There's so many countries that wouldn't have access or the possibility, opportunity to play those sorts of events if the Commonwealth didn't exist. Um, but yeah, you could see, I mean, you could see they could play, but they've obviously not played anything. Um, so it was a very, very comfortable game. We didn't get much back. Um, but for us, it was a really good game just to settle in, being the first match, first match on centre court get used to the crowd, get used to the procedures and protocols of the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a very, very, very comfortable game for us. I think we got something like 16 aces and two sets, which isn't heard of. Um, so, yeah, our main focus was just to get that, get that game done, settle in and, and just be ready for the next few games. Hmm.
0: And then a couple of tougher matches. So it jumps up a bit in quality. The next two opponents are pretty big sort of, yeah, certainly did well at this tournament.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And we know them both very well, like I played against the Vanuatu in the quarterfinals of the last Commonwealth, slightly different partnership, Um, but even being in Europe, they've been at every event that we were at. Um, And it's, again, very friendly. And again, the Kiwi girls, very good friends with. Again, Shauna played at the last Commonwealth. I didn't play against her, but I've played against her several times outside of that. Um, And then we've trained with Alice, who's our partner, a bunch of times um, in the UK anyway. Um, But yeah, just different. I think, again, annoyingly, the Vanuatu game, I think if we'd have played how we were playing coming into the tournament, we would have done much better. And I think we could have actually beaten them, to be honest. I think they struggle with Daisy's physicality at the net. Um, But there was a lot of nerves in that first set, and I think it showed. And we just got caught out um, with the nerves, I think, and and inexperience, I think, it boiled down to in that game. And then suddenly, second set, switched it on and, and competed really well with them. Um, but starting the game in the second set basically is too late. Um, so yeah, but ultimately that game didn't matter. If we'd have won or lost that game, it made no difference. The next round was pulled out of a hat anyway, so we knew that we had Cyprus or New Zealand in our in our um, quarters, irrelevant of result. So um, we were obviously hoping for Cyprus, um, and annoyingly the seed we went in at in at by being a home nation we went at a seed three. Um, meant that we had an easier pool and a harder quarter final. So some of the other teams had a slightly harder pool, but an easy quarterfinal. So we knew going into it, it was going to be a big feat for us. Um, but we've been playing together for two years. Dave's only been training for two years. So I think as much as I would have liked to have come away with better performance as a whole, um, win or lose, um, I think a lot of the outcome of the game is boiled down to inexperience. Um, and that's not something we could have done anything about. Um, so I think if the games had have been next year, we'd have had an extra year. I think it would have been a very different outcome, and I think we really could have pushed for a podium. Um, but yeah, it it wasn't, and it was what it was. And I think we've got to take it for what it is. And it was an amazing experience. If you had told me two years ago when I rang Daisy that we'd have qualified, I would have bitten your hand off. Um, having been there and seeing what level we got to, I'm disappointed with the performances. Um, but it was an amazing experience. And uh, yeah, to play home games in front of friends and family and hopefully be a small part of some progression and push in beach volleyball in this country um, is huge, I think. And I was, yeah, very, very grateful to be a part of it.
0: Mm. So, what's the next big sporting ambition for yourself and Daisy? What's the, the next big goal?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Um, So we have three more weeks. We've got two domestic tournaments, which obviously we will will be looking to to win. Um, And then we've got a tournament in the Netherlands just before final. So there's a format called King of the Court, uh, which is a new format, which I think started last year. Um, And it's basically something you do in training. So if you have, I don't know, five or six teams in training, it's quite hard to drill. So you just play King of the Court or Queen of the Court. And... You only win a point on side out, but you stay, so you never serve. So you serve to come through. Once you win the point, you stay at that far end for as long as you're winning. If you lose a point, you switch out, and the team that served them on the point switches in. So it's a bit of a fun training drill, and you know you might be like right first team to 11 points. Um, and that's basically the format of this tournament. So it's fun. It's fast-paced. You see lots of different styles of volleyball. It suits different people. You don't, there's not really much momentum that can be gained with it. Um, so yeah, they had a few events last year all throughout the year and then they had like a finals, so the best teams of the best teams played it. Um, and you don't have to play with someone from your country, so you could play with a Brazilian, or American, whatever. Um, so yeah, we entered it just as a bit of fun Didn't think to get in and we got in. So um, the next three weeks, I think, especially with the intensive two and a half years we've had, is just about enjoying it. Um, we just want to go and have some fun. If we play well, we should do well, but there's no pressure on performance now for us, whereas up until qualification, everything was about result. Um, And then I think we'll take some well-needed time off. um, And then, yeah, just sort of discuss what's next. Um, For me personally, um, there's Olympic qualification next year. um, And obviously the tour carries on. um, So that's what long-term or medium-term, I guess, I'll be looking towards But yeah, I think we just need to take a bit of time. Kind of, we haven't really had chance to process the last two and a half years. I don't think so. I think both need to take a bit of time. You know, see family, just do some of the things we haven't been able to do over the past two and a half years, and get a bit more refreshed, and then and then get ready to go again.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you given much thought to to life after volleyball, in terms of what you you know are you one of those people who go into coaching, are you going to stay in the sports rehab space? Have you thought about it at all? Have you just been so focused on 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 volleyball that you haven't kind of allowed your your mind to go to that place
1: yeah I just haven't really thought about it um I don't know I haven't thought about it or I've like put it off um you know I've been an athlete for 15 plus years over half my life so I don't know honestly who I am outside of that who I am if I'm not an athlete um which is kind of scary um but I think the first thing for me because I don't plan on playing too much longer. I think, especially not being funded. You know, if someone came along tomorrow and said, "Here's two hundred grand," I'd play full time and I'd play for as long as that allowed me to. But there's only so long you can put off life settling down. You know, I rent a house. I don't want to rent and live with people for forever. I'd like to have my own space and you know just set some roots down really. But I've not had chance to think about that um or afford it for for one um so I don't know I don't know I I definitely want to go well put more emphasis on work I think to start with and just see where that takes me I think I want to go partially down the C route I think um but in addition to what I'm already doing so my ideal working scenario would be that I'm still doing the sports therapy injury work but I love the gym, I love being in the gym and that stuff really interests me so I think having a combination of both is something I'd look to going forward but even just having time to even do those qualifications I'd have to have stopped playing so um, yeah I think my life outside of volleyball at the moment is just my family and I've got two little nephews that I go home at every opportunity to see so they are kind of my everything at the moment outside of sport um, but yeah I think I'd put work first for a little while, I think, and try and see where I want to take that. Um, and then I'd look to my house, really, be the number one goal, I think, life goal outside of volleyball. But, yeah, I've no idea. I think there's definitely lots of opportunities. Like I could coach. I could go and do some bits I want. I would like to give back and and make sure. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people previously have, have stopped playing and it's kind of just ended and there's not been anything for the, the coming the groups coming through um so I definitely would like to to give back in some capacity however that looks um but yeah at the moment for me my my volleyball still is very much based around performance for myself so um for how long that lasts um maybe another two years or so maybe um and then yeah I will have some thinking to do that's for sure
0: So when you do eventually retire and you're looking back on this career, you know, double Commonwealth Games athlete, some of the stuff you've achieved through a lot of challenges, be it funding, injury, what do you think is going to be your biggest takeaway from your time as a volleyball athlete? Is it going to be those relationships? Is it going to be those experiences? What do you think it's it's going to be?
1: Gosh. I don't know. You know, I think it's it's tough. I'm very self-critical and I'm very tough on myself. So, Straight away, because I'm very you know grateful for the opportunities I've had. i'm I'm not satisfied like I would have liked to have done more. um There's still time. um but I think the big thing for me, I think volleyball as a whole has just shaped my entire life. like i I genuinely don't know where I'd be if I hadn't if I didn't play volleyball, and I look back at um all my education came because of played volleyball, like sports scholarship, which is just a GB program at Bath. So they were both volleyball. All of my friends, uh, because I play volleyball. I live in Bournemouth because I play volleyball. I got my job because I played volleyball. Both of them, Sports Academy, because of the Relinx, of volleyball. But I work at Physio Fitness in Dorset now. And again, I, I used to see my boss for treatment when I had my surgery. And as a byproduct, I then got a really good relationship with him and I work there. Um, so, yeah, absolutely everything in my life, bar my family, is has been shaped because of volleyball. So I think um, I'm just very grateful for what sport the, the sport has given me. Um, and I'll still stay in it in some capacity. I might even play in North for fun in the future or whatever. But um, I just think sport is amazing. And I think it does amazing things for people and, yeah, my whole life. And I think lots of my personality has, has just been shaped by the sport. So I'm just very grateful for the opportunities that I've had. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad that I stuck at it throughout the years because there's been some testing testing times um but yeah i think i'm just gratitude really i think it's it's probably the overwhelming sensation emotion that i i have towards it
0: amazing so where can people find out more about you and, and follow along with you and daisy if there's some generous benefactor with 200 grand sitting there that wants to fund a, a volleyball <laughs> beach bear where they, where can they track you down
1: um i think instagram is probably the biggest thing um that we use just to keep people like we're not massive social media people but keeping people in the loop as um so jgrim02 is my handle and anything volleyball related will be on there you may find a few dog bits and nephew bits but primarily it's uh it's volleyball
0: awesome well jess it's been great to catch up and and really cool to see you guys Well, you particularly get into your second commonwealth game so congratulations on that and thanks for sharing your experiences and your kind of uh i guess your journey with us today it's been really
1: great no thanks for having me Thanks
0: for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram using the account at LTADnetwork as well as Twitter at LTADnetwork and find our website www.ltadnetwork.com.